0: Welcome to *Limitless Latina*, a podcast that debunks stereotypes, unpacks traumas, and empowers those in our community. I'm Valerie Razo, and I'm Stefania Cano, and this is *Limitless, Limitless Latina*. Limitless.
1: what the month is known as, Women's History Month. We decided we would embrace equity by tapping into what it means and why it's important. So what does equity mean to you?
0: To me, equity is providing what everyone needs in order to excel or at least get by in life. Preferably excel because I want Mm -hmm. everybody to be happy and thriving.
1: To me, yes, of course, it means giving everyone a fair advantage. For example, if someone has disabilities, then they would be provided with resources for those kind of disabilities to alleviate. But at the same time, being able to give everyone an equitable chance just seems kind of like a communistic ideal where in theory it sounds great, but logistically and literally thinking about it, how could we execute something like that?
0: well for me i think one of the ways to tackle and improve equity in society is to tackle it at the root cause and i think one of the root causes at least is education which is something we could definitely invest more in and there's a lot of research behind it and how to improve an equitable education system.
1: So there are three main factors that affect education. The first one would be location, so obviously where you live. The second would be your parents' or guardians' income. And lastly, teacher's pay.
0: The really interesting thing about this is that all of these kind of overlap in spheres Mm -hmm. of influence because obviously Your family income is going to affect your location. Yeah. And vice versa, your location is going to probably affect your family income. Teacher pay isn't really affected by (laughs) family income or location, it's more affected by our government as a whole. Exactly. Which we can help influence by Mm -hmm. voting properly. Yeah, so let's dive into the first one location. Why does location matter?
1: Well, for starters, it matters because even when you're looking for a house, that's like one of the main things that you look for is, oh, what school is supposed to, what school aligns with the house and the location that you're in because based on where your house is located or the area and the district, you're basically zoned to a particular school
0: and so that's the school that you're supposed to go to. A huge reason why zoning and districting matters is because the funds that the school has Mm -hmm. is due to how much the district gets taxed. Like for instance, an example, my own high school, 40% of our students were on free or reduced lunch, which Mm -hmm. I think is very telling to how much poverty there was. But I went to one of the best schools in the state solely because within our district we got tax money from the country club because that was within our zone and Mm -hmm. so there was a huge wealth gap between a lot of students and it's it's wild because you could definitely tell the more money your parents had the way more likely you were to be an honors or an AP student Mm -hmm. and then it was like modern day socioeconomic segregation because that we had three wings in my in my high school there was like a wing which is all where all the basic and remedial classes. B-Wing had some of those too, but it had a few honors classes and then C-Wing was like this new gorgeous state-of-the-art section with all the AP students.
1: Uh, So, but I do do remember those categories. We didn't have the difference in the buildings or the architecture, Uh but we did have like CB classes, honor classes, and then AP classes. And I do remember when I first walked into my first English class in middle school, and I was surrounded by CP students. And it's usually the case where CP students tend to not have the same attention span or care for the subject. Uh, I'm not saying every CP student is this way, I'm just saying most classes, that's how it usually was, where students weren't really interested in the subject as much. And I do remember I felt a little out of place, but because I went to a Title I school, every student in my elementary school our testing scores were so low that we all ranked in the CP class, regardless of whether we cared about
0: the subject or not. That's wild. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know that that happened. I had
1: to work my butt off to get into honors. I wasn't just instantly like, oh here's the door, like walk into it. I had to really fight for it. And I would ask my teachers and I would say, like, what can I do? Like, I want to get out of here. Like, I want to keep advancing. Like, do I have to take extra credit? Like, do I have to take other tests? Like, what I want to get out of here.
0: And I think this is like a good point to like segue into family income because definitely your privilege allows you to have the capacities to Mm -hmm. even get into honors, get into AP, and have the resources to not only get into them, but also study properly for these exams because obviously these textbooks cost money, these tutors cost money. If your school isn't offering any any test prep, you're basically on your own to figure out yeah. all this stuff. And that costs money because let's say you have to work after school. When are you gonna have time to go to a tutor? You're probably working on weekends too. When are you gonna have time to do these extra things? Like time is money. And especially for lower income students, they're probably helping out their family to make ends meet.
1: I mean, for example, just looking through my high school trajectory, most of my free time was dedicated to working. I started working when I was 14 because I needed the money so badly. Because my mom couldn't, I did. It's yeah. true. I mean, my mom couldn't even afford giving me money to go to the movie. Mm-hmm. So I remember my first job was actually at the mall in the kiosks. I remember that selling the lights. Yeah, I remember. And that. I was fourteen because I des. I remember I've always had really expensive tastes. Unfortunately for me, <laughs> my economic it's situation okay. did not align. I would work every single weekend. I had no free weekend. And when I finally got to afford things, I remember I was making seven dollars and twenty five cents. And after two weeks, I had made two hundred dollars, and the first purchase I made were
0: wallabies. I remember, I remember that. that. I remember that too. Yeah. No, I remember like even you and your brother had to share a phone. Yeah. That's how. That's how broke you were.
1: And even even the phone like for my my mom was struggling to pay yeah, for those stuff for but
0: sure. And then there's like me Gloria, I, I've never had to be afraid of that when you yeah. come from privilege you don't even realize like yeah. a basic basically it's a necessity now it's a basic necessity it is. it is it's covered when you're privileged but when you're not privileged like everything is Lujo. you have to count yeah you have to count your you have to count your mm-hmm. cash you have to make sure you're not paying for an extra subscription to put it into context my mom would lock the refrigerator and it wasn't because <laughs> she didn't want to feed us it was
1: because she literally could not afford for us to finish the food before the week ended because she could not afford the food it's just crazy to think now as an adult, because it wasn't like, you know, as a child, you're like, oh my gosh, my mom is being so annoying. Like she's not feeding me. Like, why doesn't she let me have more food? It was literally because she could not afford more food. So then we would run out for the week and then we would starve one of the days. Like that's literally how bad it was when I started doing sports, it was so hard. I would wake up at 4.30 a.m. to go run. After running, they would go and probably go to sleep or relax, eat brunch, whatever with their parents. No, I had to go to a Mexican, well, it's a Latin American store because I was working as a cashier from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. Some people don't see that. Like even now, I know so many people who are graduating from college, like doing their master's program and like getting free rent money from their parents, like living in these big cities. Like not Everyone can have that luxury that's not
0: something that's normal other people literally have to work I'm just gonna preface what I'm about to say with I am no way going to compare my struggle to your struggle because you were on another level that I will never understand or I have yet to understand I hope I don't get to understand it you're just built different kudos to you but uh over the summers you know while I was in college I did have to work a regular job instead of doing taking up the unpaid internships because I did have to pay rent for my apartment, like that was that was on me. So the really good thing is that my college was kind of in the middle of nowhere, so rent was really cheap, which is why I could afford just working summers and winter breaks and spring breaks to pay rent. But my jobs over the summer, they paid really, really well, but they didn't help my career. And I got stuck doing those because the unpaid internships, like that's not going to pay my rent. This job is going to pay my rent. And I didn't even realize how that was a problem until this one girl pointed it out to me. She's like, oh, I never never thought about that because my parents pay my rent. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice that you don't have to worry about that, which is cool. Yeah, it, just, it makes you realize how unsustainable it is to even join the internship market. Because even if they do pay, they might not pay well. And they may not pay enough for you to like survive off of it.
1: So again, you're behind as a low-income student because you can't afford not to work. Yeah. I remember some of the internships I did that were unpaid. I was still working as a server, plus going to school full time. Even when I did get my first big girl job, I had to accept it because I had no other choice. I remember um, my coworker actually, she got asked if she would want to continue working. And mm-hmm. she was like, no, like I have to finish school. and like, I have to focus on that. Yeah. I didn't have that luxury. I couldn't say no hold on, hold on, hold that position for me. Like, I have to go finish school. My mom could not afford rent because, like, Carolina had left. Mm -hmm. And it was just my mom, and she could not afford the entire rent. So it was either make sure that I had a place to live so I had to stay and, like, make sure that I graduate because I need a document, I can't rely on my company.
0: But now that we're talking about poverty and the different levels and how much that really affects your ability to study Mm -hmm. and your educational experience overall, I think the New York Times recent article on the migrant children working across the US that are alone and exploited really sheds light on how much poverty can really wreck your abilities to study.
1: It was really sad. Specifically, I think they highlighted Carolina's story I think she was a 14 year old girl who was from Guatemala and her mom couldn't join her on the journey. And it got to the point where now all of these parents, they can't afford to feed their children. So they're telling their children, you're gonna have to go to the US and work, make money for us, because they'll actually let you into the country, bring some money because even $50 will cover a month's worth of food. And that's all we want, we just wanna eat.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a huge sacrifice and a risk these families yeah. have to take, but the fact that they have to get to that point, yeah. for multiple reasons, which I'm going to shed light on, because... Go off. Tell them. Tell them so... what
1: it's like. <laughs> tell them what what it is. I
0: don't know what it's like, but I can tell you <laughs> tell what, what... it is. From an academic perspective. Yeah, exactly. So, one of the reasons, at least these families in Guatemala, basically they have small farms, and they obviously live off of what they harvest and the profits they make but because of climate change, they haven't been able to cultivate their crops, which is why they're going broke. Which is why climate change should matter to us. Because even though it's not affecting a lot of us here in the US directly, it's obviously affecting affecting people in poverty. It's affecting especially people in poverty who really, really depend on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, just the agricultural sector in general is being affected by it. Yeah. And it's a huge part because even though right now we're not feeling it, we will feel it eventually, but there are people right now who are feeling it at a really different level. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just Guatemala. I mean, that's happened in India too.
0: The other reason is because the U.S. has had this horrid habit over the past 100-ish years where they are destabilizing especially countries in Latin America Mm -hmm. in the name of not letting them become communists because, you know, the whole Cold War was, again, fighting the Red Scare when ultimately it was just the United States form of neo-imperialism just, you know, trying to stay dominant and Mm -hmm. whatever unnecessarily. So basically what they would do, let's say a more left-wing president was democratically elected in these countries Mm -hmm. and, you know, promising providing better social networks and safety nets for the people. Things that, you know, these people need. Yeah. And the U.S. would be like, yeah, we don't like that because it doesn't favor our corporations that we have in your countries. Yeah. So behind closed doors, they would kind of like fund all these coups that would take over those governments. And that's why, that's part of the reason why Latin America, Latin American po- politics is kind of a mess. Not It's not the whole reason, but... It's, it's, a, it's, it's a
1: good big reason. <laughs> it's a cherry on top.
0: And third of all is the big corporations that have absolutely no sense of accountability.
1: Yeah. And that's happened for decades. They've never had accountability. Centuries.
0: Because, yeah. I mean, this New York Times article blew up so much that people are having an open discourse on TikTok about it, Yeah, which is pretty impressive to me because at least from what I see on TikTok, people don't really talk about articles or at least not deep journalistic articles Mm -hmm. it's usually pop culture but this is you know breaking news there is this one lady on tiktok she said this article really shows how toxic the capitalism in the united states is and she she brings it back to how this country was successful in the first place and it was because capitalism as a free market worked when we first started as a country Mm -hmm. but it was Mainly because the southern states had free labor, a.k.a. slavery. Yeah. And now, obviously, slavery is outlawed. Yeah.
1: Not indentured servitude, apparently.
0: Exactly. So what's the next best thing? Indentured servitude. People you pay very, very low money to. I wouldn't doubt that these kids are making less than minimum wage because, of course, they're these weasels are probably taking advantage that they're undocumented. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we're, since we're paying you under the table and it's kind of dangerous, you're, you're kind of a risk to us, we're going to pay you even less. And since these kids literally do not have any other option, yeah. they take it because they need the money. <laughs> because... A lot of their sponsors are predators. Corporations are very predatory. And they
1: probably owe money to the person who helped them get to the border in the first place. Yep. That's already their first step. Like the fact that they even got that far is already a miracle. But once you hit there, it ends up being your uh, demise, really. Because that's all you work for. You work to pay for the long journey that you made to get to the American dream
0: the illusion of the yeah. American dream yeah um, I remember one of the little girls Americans. in the article said this is not what I expected yeah. when you hear about the U.S.
1: she literally was like I didn't know what I was expecting but definitely not this. <laughs> that's basically what she said it's sad to know that people are taking advantage of kids who are so vulnerable in the first place that have already done this huge journey to get here just so that they know that once they get here, it's even worse. And that's also a good to note for people who are in Latin American countries because they have this idolized vision of what living in the U.S. is like, but what they don't know is that it really is
0: just working on working on working. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not kind. It's not easy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's brutal out here, man.
1: It is. Whether you're working in a desk job or whether you're working out in the field, you're still being a slave to the system. Go ahead. <laughs> Which is
0: why I believe we should tax the rich. Since we're in an economic capitalist model, mm-hmm. it's supposedly the better paying jobs are supposed to bring better talent, right? Right. That's how the system is. Unless supposed you're to not work.
1: paying the right type of money to the talent.
0: I remember just a few episodes ago, I'm sorry, we were kind of roasting the education majors. Obviously, we mentioned in that episode that they're the future of America, essentially. Yeah, they're they're in charge of educating these future students. So you would want smart people. Yeah. And I got to give it to them. If your heart is to become an educator, I got power I to you. I respect them. Yeah, I power to you.
1: Honestly. and But also, there are some people who are in the field who we kind of talked about this and touched on the subject. I don't know if I want to have kids because I'm not sure I trust the education system, mostly now in Florida where they don't even want to teach kids history.
0: Critical race theory, which is another huge element to the education system. People of color are way more likely to go to a Title I school, Mm -hmm. to struggle economically, so they're less likely to succeed within the American education system. So I think increasing teachers' pay would, first of all, attract smarter people to become teachers. Right even though you shouldn't be in it for the money you you got to make a living well i mean the
1: average in the us is between 33 to 45 depending on the obviously the state yeah but for example the starting salary in south carolina is 33000 which granted just to put it in perspective my mom was making 25ish mhm she's she was she is now not but she was undocumented didn't speak english and was cleaning houses yeah so that should say a lot about for 10000 more, you go to school for four years, you're supposed to, you know, try to at least make, what, more than $20 an hour? Yeah. I mean, that's now that's now being like a base in manufacturing. So that's crazy that teachers who are literally holding the future generations and helping them succeed and building the base aren't even getting paid what a manufacturing production operator would be making.
0: Another reason why we should just decently pay teachers is because these people are truly inspirational. It's so crazy how that's so true. There's just, you just need one person
1: to encourage you to tell you that you are special or that they see something in you Mm -hmm. for you to completely change. Which is why your environment plays such a huge role in whether you succeed or not. 100%. Regardless of whether you came with money or not. Because my parents obviously, like we've talked about already throughout the episode, we came from a very low-income family, but my mom and dad were literally cheerleaders to me. I mean, don't get me wrong; the Latina mom and her still came out sometimes, but she was pretty big. Played a really big role. Your in haters me. can also be your motivators. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like she still played a pretty big role in in my success because yeah. she believed in me. So did my dad. And shout out to Ms. Jenkinson and Mr. Parks. Mr. Parks would rap his songs. I still know my Roji Vib song. That was basically Soldier Boy.
0: But enough complaining about all the problems that go into the education system. Let's talk about some solutions. I mean, I personally was not complaining. I was ranting. Potato, potato. (laughs) In my book, it's all the same unless until you offer solutions. True. Then it's a discussion. So we're discussing. Okay. Because it's Look solution time. What can I say? It's just I, I just don't like when men say, all women do is complain, complain. So here I am giving you solutions. Anyways, my <laughs> my biggest fix to not all the world's problems, but a vast majority yeah, is... it could solve it. It could solve all, most of the world's problems. <laughs> taxing the rich.
1: Or if you don't want to tax the rich, you could always just pay your employees the correct amount and the fair amount wild 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 idea if that were the case then you wouldn't be a billionaire you would actually be a millionaire
0: a more ethical one i mean i think that you could still be rich and be ethical. oh oh for sure for sure I, look at my girl dolly Parton.
1: and that's why we went to her theme park
0: not sponsored by dollywood yet <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'll wear your hat and your t-shirt anytime
0: i think it's because she comes from poverty That she understands the struggle, and she grew up in, like, very poor rural areas of Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and she self actualized and is like, hey, I can make a difference. And the way she has just changed the economy in that, in that yeah. area. Yeah. Crazy. Aside from taxing the rich or the rich actually paying their people reasonably. No, not even money. reasonably, just a fair amount. Like yeah, what they are supposed to be paid. Yeah. A, a livable wage. Go figure. I guess. A competitive rate. <laughs>
1: That's what I want. <laughs> I don't it? want livable.
0: I want a competitive rate. <laughs> oh, yeah, you yeah.
1: want me to stop quite quitting? Then pay me what I deserve be-
0: Get paid. I, I started listening to this podcast called The Equity Experience. Huh. Where, yeah, it's people that actually know what they're talking about, giving solutions. I learned all of this off of this episode by The Equity Experience, and it's episode 64, Mm -hmm. and it addresses disproportionality, the root causes, analysis, and educational equity with this PhD guy named Chris DeFilippis. I'm really bad at pronouncing names. So basically in this episode, Doctor, I'm going to call him Dr. Chris because I literally cannot say his last name. (laughs) Dr. Chris says, one of the main things that you want to do is actually work with the school districts. Mm-hmm. Like, show them quantitative data on how they're lacking with disproportionality.
1: But it's not like they don't know.
0: I mean, I think some of them just generally don't realize it.
1: No, I genuinely don't think they they have that issue. I think they know what's going on. I just feel like there's higher powers that aren't letting them do anything.
0: Well, giving them the reasonable doubt, besides, if you show it to their faces in public, I think...
1: Oh, that's, yeah, you mean, like, literally calling them out. Yeah, so there you go.
0: I I think this is why it's an important step to show them the data, hopefully at a school board meeting or something. That way they have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So you show them the data of the disproportionality, and then you work with them. And one of the steps is to have workshops with the teachers to understand how race and the socioeconomic background affects them, which I'm sure the teachers already know, but just having workshops one-on-one with them to help edify them. But also just like working with the system, like every school district has different needs. Every school district is different. There's a different culture. And instead of having like this one standardized way of fixing them, like just make it more personalized because that's the best way you can be equitable. At the beginning of our episode, it's what everyone needs and Everyone yeah. needs something different, so you need right. something more personalized. You can't have something standardized. I
1: think, though, the best way that they could start having a more equitable situation is by starting to have workshops when you start admitting your bias. Because we all come with our own bias. Yeah, for sure. And so a teacher could treat a student differently based on her experiences. hmm And that will hinder the student's experience because at the core of everything they do, it's the student's experience. Yeah, for sure. That's something that I also think that even universities need to remember. We are, we as students, I say we as students, like as if I'm still in school, but as a student, I am your customer. Therefore, you should satisfy and curate my needs. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when they're all, you know, sassy and whatnot, I think to myself, aren't I the one paying you
0: though? Yep. Anyways, back to the subject. You don't, you want to just specialize and work with each district and according to their needs. Yeah. Because you can only have so many workshops about changing the hearts and minds of students and teachers.
1: All right, the best way to conclude this episode is by encouraging everyone to take it into their own hands, to vote, definitely vote, Always vote. And if you can't vote, just understanding the situation, educating others about how being equitable is super important, and doing your own part to help your community, whether it is volunteering or
0: going to your school district meetings. Yeah. Demanding change from the superintendents.
1: And just keep educating yourself. I mean, I learned, I always learned a lot from Valerie, to be honest. So just keep trying to be a better human because this is the only earth we got um,
0: for sure for now anyways so stay educated make sure to follow us on instagram and our soon-to-be tiktok account at limitless latina podcast
1: and as always we'll see you in two weeks ciao besitos adios